0: G'day guys, welcome to the Fair Income Podcast. Today we got the champ Billy on, and I'll let him tell you what we spoke about.
1: Man, we're talking about everything in my life, today. the journey, the ups, the downs, the highs, and the lows, the successes, you know, the failures. And it's okay, man, we can't fail at times, but it's all about getting back up. Enjoy the podcast, tune in, like and subscribe, otherwise yeah, you're right. going
2: to
0: get it. <laughs> <laughs> did you... Did you um you
1: know how Lamachenko grew up doing,
0: like, the traditional dancing for, like, boxing? Yeah, yeah, And his old man was, like, he drilled it into him to have footwork beforehand? Yeah. Like, did you ever do anything similar to that just as well?
1: Just I just did gymnastics.
0: Nah. Yeah, I did a little bit of gymnastics growing up, so. I hear about it a lot because George St. Pierre is coach, you know, Faraz uh, Zahabi. Nah. Yeah, Faraz Zahavi is, is, he's one of, like, in MMA, he's one of, like, the most touted coaches there is, and he always says, like, my kids... They're not getting hit in the head before 14. But what they're going to do is they're going to do gymnastics at the age of like
1: five. Yeah. That, uh, well, for me, um, you know, when I was younger, I, I did a lot of gymnastics only because I was very athletic. I love that stuff. I love to learn how to do flips, backflips, wow. all that sort of business. You know what I mean? Princess Ian Hamed was like my childhood hero. Mm. He used to do the flip over the ropes. Yeah. And <laughs> even, uh, even though I, I knew how to do it, I never did it because I was like, man, could you imagine that went south? <laughs> imagine <Well laughs> imagine you try to do the flip and then you end up on your face. Yeah, yeah. well, that would have been the worst. That's the last time you have seen There's you. a couple yeah. of fighters,
0: you've seen them, bro. One guy, he popped his shoulder out of place in the UFC. He popped his shoulder out of place doing the, you know, the worm.
1: Oh, we're out the He done the worm, worm. Wow. as a celebration. I seen a guy the other day try to do the Costa Zoo over the top rope and face planted. Oh, my. God. <laughs> <laughs> was it, was, it, was a- it? And then a poor thing he, who, who was like a favorite to win ended up getting knocked out as well. So yeah. He did it before the fight. Didn't do he it as did, a No, He did it before the fight when he walked into the ring, they announced him and he was walking in, he stepped over the rope, on, on, onto the onto the stairs, got up to the top rope, tried to do the whole jump over the rope and <laughs> face planted and then did the whole roly-poly to try to make it look like he did it. <laughs> <on purpose>. <laughs> he <laughs> would have yeah, been fucking man. His head would have been. I need to try to place. find the footage of that for you guys. Oh <laughs> Going to have God. a laugh.
0: Well, that's hilarious, bro Can you imagine, like, after that, like, you were in the mindset You're like, gee, I'm ready to go, I'm going to take this guy's head off And then you stack it
1: Yeah, oh, bro. I think that really shot his confidence right down, man <laughs> Yeah, big
0: time <laughs> It's like, oh no, that's it. everything <laughs> I thought about myself out the window yeah. <laughs> Couldn't even land the flip <laughs> but Alhamdulillah, bro Wallah, but, see, gr- one thing that I, this is actually a great segue into talking about it Because we want to start the journey from young, younger years you Yeah, know, yeah, younger yeah,
2: yeah building, cool, for sure You know?
0: Um, growing
1: up on the streets of Sydney, what area did you start? Where did you grow up? So, um, when I I was born um, at St George Hospital, which is in Cogra, and um, for the first three years of my life, my family and I we lived in Hurstville. Then my father he bought a convenience store in Ingadine, which is in the Sutherland Shire, mm. towards Cronulla and Sutherland and all them areas, and um, basically we were there for years on end, like. I basically grew up there, you know, so we we grew up in a hard-working environment. My father was a hard-working man and he wanted to instill that in us, you know, and um, nothing came easy. We had to work for everything we wanted. You want something, you got to work for it. Nothing was was ever given. Not like, for example, um, you know, I have a son today and my son, he wants something, daddy, you know, I want this, is it, then, you know, <laughs> you can have it, Dad. No problem, you know. Cause I just want to give my son everything. You know, I mean, that's just the type of person that I am. I'm like, I work so hard to be in the position that I'm in. So if I can give my son everything that he wants, I'm gonna give it to him, you know. But my dad, he couldn't do that. Yeah. He had six boys and one girl. And if every child did that in the household, that'd be a mess.
0: Voila. Voila. So, <laughs> you
1: know, we had to work hard for everything that we had, man, and um growing up wasn't easy because where we grew up was Predominantly Anglo, and, yeah. he, and here you have a, a you know young like um, my brother. Jihad's lucky because he actually looked like a Aussie. You know what I mean? Yeah. He had that whole white complexion,
0: the blue
1: eyes. Yeah, but me and my brothers, man, we got hit with that Lebanese stick. You know what I mean? We got that. <laughs> we got that Arab Middle, middle Eastern stick and um. And you know school was tough, man. School we got picked on like severely. Like we were forever getting into fights. Yeah. You know we'd be sticking up for each other. We'd be fighting this guy off, fighting that guy off. You know our, our shop that we used to have, my dad's convenience store, it used to get egged like on a on a weekly basis. You know what I mean? People would ride on the on the fences, go go home, you wogs. Wow. Yeah, no joke, no joke. So the was shop, the shop was in the south as well. So the sh- the shop was in Ingadine, like we. So we yeah. lived. We, we had a convenience store, and behind the convenience store was our house. We had a two-story oh, okay. home uh-huh. behind the convenience store. And, um, like, it wasn't, it wasn't all bad. It was good. We had good memories, you know I mean? We had good times. We made good friends over there. But you got the odd racist here and there, you yeah. know? And we had to deal with that. But that was cool. It's all right. It, you know what? It actually helped me, you know, developing the person that I became because of, the, you know, growing up in, the, in that harsh environment at times, getting into fights. That's how I found boxing. So I was if, like, I got, I got to really thank those people for helping me find my, you know, my, my future in, in, in the sport of boxing. Exactly.
0: Well, that's actually awesome. It's crazy because I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought you would have grown up in the South, especially knowing what happened in the early 2000s when, um,
1: Cronulla, Mar- Riot. Cronulla riots. and Yeah. Whatever. Well, I was actually in America at that time. I was in America. And when I got back, everyone was like, listen, whatever you do, don't go to <laughs> Cronulla. And I'm like, what do you mean? My best friend lives there. And they're like, yeah, but don't go there, man. Yeah. And they're like, I'm like, what do you mean don't go there? And they're like, it's this situation. And then, you know, back in them days, YouTube and that wasn't like that big, you know I mean? It wasn't like a massive thing. And, you know, social media wasn't such a big thing. So you never really got the news. But because I was in training camp, I wasn't really focused on TV or anything like that. Mm. I wasn't hearing anything about what was going on. And then once I started doing research, man, I was like, wow. I remember like a year ago, me and my wife were watching the Cronulla riots on, on YouTube, like a, a full segment or something. I turned to the right and my wife was crying. I'm like, what are you crying for? This happened yeah. like ages ago. She's like, can't believe people actually went through that. Yeah. yeah. It was tough, man.
0: It was like, um, even my mum was like watching it and you can actually feel the ripple effect in Melbourne. Like that's how bad the situation was. Like yeah. you started to feel the divide and the problem was, like you were saying, there was not much social media to kind of like counteract it. So then you started seeing... Only like my side versus their side,
1: yeah. It was us against them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean. It was it was definitely us against them. Yeah. And it, I mean that's not a good way to live your life. You know what I mean? It's hundred percent. And and in Australia we try to teach this thing about equality and try to teach this thing about you know, not I, I don't I don't I don't see it though. You know what I mean? Like I just don't see. It. I, I find like that's it's just like hot air. It's just like people talking. You know what I mean? But mm. it's it it'll forever be um your Arab. And you're Aussie And you're the, You know what I mean Like it's not yeah, like, yeah. It's, I don't care what your citizenship says yep. You don't look like an Aussie You know what I mean Like even when I went overseas And I f- and I started fighting in America They're like oh, Billy Dib from Australia And I got up And I'm like oh, No no Billy Dib from Australia and I'm like I am Billy Dib And yeah. I am from Australia <laughs> And they're yeah. like Oh, we expected a <laughs> blonde head, blue-eyed sort of looking guy, you know. I and mean? I'm like, you're, you're thinking like, you must be thinking neighbors or something like that at home in yeah. the way. That ain't me. <laughs> and, I no and I said, and I said, Australia a very multicultural country. Yeah. As you can see, I'm here representing Australia. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly.
2: Yeah, it was a bit of a culture shock for us coming to Sydney as well because like Melbourne, we feel is a bit more mixed. But we're surprised like how separated the areas are and like how the culture is in terms of people. So it was like bit a surprise but then obviously it's something that needs to be worked on
1: yeah I mean look uh, I think um, uh, people try to break down the, the barriers mm. and, and um, I mean I guess I just roll with the flow you know what I mean I just yeah. go with the flow it is what it is yeah exactly you know I don't get Try to, I try not to get caught up in the whole political side of things. Yeah, yeah. I find that it's uh, it's easier to get through life without having well, uh, to deal with that yeah, rubbish.
0: True. It's too dirty. The game's too dirty. I'll be yeah, honest. Well. You, know. you can't get. <laughs> you can't actually navigate through it as a decent human being and kind of like get out of
1: it clean. You know. There's I don't know. I really don't get into it. To be honest, I just press pause on that and it's move it. on. You know. It.
0: But Leo, let's just touch on what you were saying from before. The way you were like, you don't really like when you were growing up in Cronulla. You had mates who were obviously Aussie, and then you had, you know your boys or your family as well who are Lebanese or Palestinian, or and then you kind of like think about it and you're like, there's actually some people that are Aussies that I trust more than I trust my own people. Yeah. And there's vice versa as well, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah well, the, one of my best friends, his name is James, James Lovell. He's a childhood friend and somebody who stuck up for me um, during my difficult times at school. So, you know, but but obviously, um, to me, family is everything, man. 100%. Like, I've got, I've got five brothers and I've got one sister and uh, that's, that's my gang right there, you know what I mean? That's my team, you know what I mean? And then I got all my relatives, like each one of my aunties. Uh, my dad had 10 siblings. And each one of my aunties and uncles had minimum of three to six kids. Wow. So you can imagine how many cousins I've got. I've got like loads and loads of cousins. And, and, and growing up, I had three of my cousins who were the same age as me. My cousin, Jihad. My cousin Ahmed and my cousin Sharif, so like we were ch- ch- just Beautiful. kicking it twenty four seven. You know we what were I mean? Stuck and like, though. and even though we lived in like st- like my cousin Sharif lived in Penshurst, my cousin Ahmed he grew up in Menai, um, Jihad grew up in Hurstville and I was in Ingrid. We always found a way to get together. 100%. Like we always found each other. You know, and th- th- it wasn't too hard to get on a train and meet somewhere. You know, but. I guess, you know, I they, they were my friends, you know what I mean? They were they were my friends. Like my cousins were my best friends, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's and, and I and actually like in regards to my boxing success, all I wanted to do was share it with them. You know, I always just was like, man, I want to share it with my cousins, you know what I mean? Yeah. My success mm-hmm. is their success, their success is my success. You know, was, I was just fortunate enough to be able to do it on a big stage, you know what I mean, and yeah. and get them to travel with me and have fun and we always we always had just great times. That's
0: sick, man. So yeah, it was cool when you won these ones, huh? Yeah, it
1: was cool, man. It was like, but I remember winning the IBF World Title and um, my cousin Ahmed was like with me during the whole prep, like the whole prep. I'm reckon from from day dot to, to the day we That's won the right. World Title. And I remember um, like days leading up to the World Title fight, we'd be in the car and he'd be like, man, this is something we've been dreaming of since we were kids because we used to box together. And he's like, and you're going to get to do it and whatever. I'm like, bro, I'm going to win it for us, you know? That's awesome. And then we won it, and then that night we slept over my house, and we slept in. The, we slept in my mom and dad's room, and we put the belt right in between both of us, because like 'cause we're <laughs> sleeping with the world title. That's surreal. No, we were talking it was about was it. We awesome. to
0: laugh because when you were, we, were in the, we had to sleep in the same bed as well me and avid and i was like we need a chest pillow you know (laughs) so that was your chest pillow nothing better than a belt man that was
1: cool bro we just like when we woke up in the morning we ran the biggest mark man because we had a big life-size poster of the guy that i fought Mm. Uh, and we put the belt on him (laughs) and (laughs) we're like this is the closest you'll ever get to the belt you know (laughs) unfortunately again social media wasn't big back then like it wasn't massive back then it was like Mm -hmm. facebook and things like that but uh, if if Instagram and so, like things like that were around at that time, I would have had hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers, you, you know. know what I mean? But yeah. it wasn't around back then, you yeah. know. What I mean, it was like sort of f- Instagram and that was coming out like when as my reign was finishing. Yeah. And, and, and even though my reign's not finished, I'm still like you know winning titles and that and trying to put myself in a position to win another world title. We'll see what happens. Oh, well. But um, yeah. uh, you know, we, we we had we definitely had a lot of fun, man. It was good.
0: I was telling you on the phone. they saw the number seven ranking. Wallah, I got jeeped yeah yeah for That's sure crazy. man it's,
1: it's um it's it's a testament to me as a as a, as a fighter and as a human you know what i mean i have this never say die attitude like i never give in yeah. and and i'll tell you because seven times in my boxing career i've found myself back in the world ratings and you might say oh you've only lost six fights how do you find yourself there seven times Well, i had to build myself to get there first time yep Right, and then I won the IBO title, then I lost the WBO world title, then I won the IBF world title, then I lost, and the, but I found myself back in the ratings every single time. Like, if you look through the years from 2008 all the way through down now to where we are in 2022, at some point in them years, you always find me in the ratings, mm. always. And I'm not talking just about top 15, I'm talking about top 10. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. the, which is cool, you know. I, um, I should go through and, like, print them just to keep <laughs> them for myself. Because you can actually go through the sanctioning bodies and actually take the dates. But right now, I'm rated at number seven with the IBF. But the WBO, I think, going to put me at number five. So, Beautiful. that's pretty cool, man. Yeah. And so, I'm, in, I'm on, like, what you call the doorstep of knocking on a world title fight. Right now, the lightweight division is very stacked. And obviously, George Cambosis, who is from Australia, yeah. holds the titles. Well, he holds three of the four titles. Yep. Devin Haney holds the other one. Now, what happens on June the 5th when they face each other is another story. But the thing that, in regards to them, the belts are going to be tied up for a little while because George is fighting Haney. If Haney beats him, then George has got to fight him in a rematch. Oh, uh, they've got to close. But then if yeah. George wins, he's going to fight Lemonchenko next. So, you know, like, you could, you could pretty much say that the belts would be tied up for another year, you know what I mean? Yep. The only other belt that's out there that I'm really interested in collecting is the IBO lightweight title, which is um, held by a, a uh, Englishman by the name of Maxi Hughes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so, th- I mean, that's a definite, you know, I'd, I'd like to face Maxi Hughes, collect that belt, and then, you know, even though it's, see, the thing is with the IBO, it's it's regarded as a really good title, but not regarded as one of the top four, yep. so then you've got the WBO, the IBF, the WBA, and the WBC, they're the kingpins. Yeah. And alhamdulillah, I've had the IBF world title at featherweight, but the WBO title is not considered one of the four kingpins, But it would b- still be nice to bring that into the mix. Definitely, yeah. it's like many, many years ago. Um, Oscar De La Hoya was fighting um, Fernando Vargas, and um, you know they were like, "Oh, we need to make it a title fight." So they put the IBA International Boxing Association title on the line yeah. and made it a world title fight. And the thing is, when, you, when you're a guy like Oscar De La Hoya or Muhammad Ali or Shane Mosley or Prince of t- titles don't matter. Yeah. But when you're coming up in the game, the titles matter. But when you've got an established name, you make the title the titles that make you. Yeah. you know what I mean? but, it, but when you're building up, it's, it's different. The title makes you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It gives you your platform. Exactly. And then you become the one that everyone's chasing the kingpin that
2: everyone wants to face. Did mm. you f- did you feel that before you got your first title? You, uh, you felt like you were chasing?
1: Well, I was on the chase. I was definitely on the hunt. You know what yeah. I mean? I was like, you, you're, you're the hunter, and then you become the hunted. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what happens. Yep. You know, everyone wants to take your scalp. And then I remember being in camp when I was challenging, getting ready to fight for the IBFL title. But you know, like, uh, subhanAllah, like when I think about it, I was a sure thing. I, I was like, man, I'm going to win this world title. There was not one yeah. ounce of doubt in me. I knew I was going to win it. That was like, not one ounce of doubt. And I remember on the day of the fight, and I said to my mom, I said, listen, don't even worry, don't even stress. I've got this. I'm going to win. She's like, subhanAllah, I had a s- slept so comfortably last night. I just feel like today's your day. And I'm like, it is. It's my day, you know what I mean? I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it, everyone proud. And then, but what I, what I was saying earlier was is that, when I was in camp and I had all these young fighters coming up who were raided in the featherweight division, I was telling them, listen, when I, when I win this world title, don't you dare come out and call me out and speak my name or whatever. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to hear it. You know what I mean? I'm chasing bigger names. So I sort of understand where George Cambosis was coming from because, you know, the craziest thing is that George, before he went to America to fight T. Fima Lopez, mm-hmm. this is a true story. And I'm happy to back the story up with, like, evidence on my phone. Mm. I told him, I messaged him, I like, listen, man, you do the job against T FEMA and I'll do the job against um, Jacob NG, and then you and I can fight in a massive stadium fight. And he's like, yeah, man, as long as we both get paid, I'm happy, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. his exact words. You know what? I actually was going through my social media a couple of weeks ago and looking at our conversation. Well, you know, on Instagram, you can actually delete a message from the conversation. He deleted that message from the conversation. No. Like what? Did oh. that for? How low can you go? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like how low can you <laughs> go? You <know? laughs> Seriously, he deleted that message. I'm like, what the hell? That's this guy is nasty. This guy's nasty. Because I was gonna, I was gonna screenshot that message and mm-hmm. send it to his promoter, Lou Debella. Yeah. And then I couldn't do it anymore. I was like, but you can actually see, in the conversation that this something's been deleted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could tell. That yeah. makes it worse. You know, and, and, and the conversation carries on. You know what I mean? But yeah. like, I'm just like, man, whatever. Because the first thing that he did when he got off the plane, when he got back to Australia, was like, I'm not going to find no Australian or whatever. I'm like, well, oh, man. Listen, Devin Haney is a, is a star in the US. And I'm not, I'm not doubting that. and I'm not questioning that. But if you want to have an all-Australian battle in a stadium, you're going to get a much better crowd. If you've got two Australians facing off against each other, you're going to get a much better crowd. You know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, it is what it is. And guess what? The cookie will crumble the way the cookie will crumble and you'll only get what Allah's written for you anyway, so I'm cool with that. That's it, Allah. It is all good, man. It it's, is all good. And I'm not a hater. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm a supporter and I wish him all the very best. But that was a shit go, man
0: Yeah, honestly George, come on, mate Pull up, let's be honest Pull up, George <laughs> <laughs> Pull your
2: socks up, mate
0: <laughs> But yeah um, I just wanted to touch on a couple of things Because subhanAllah That was like There's a lot of things to process From what you just said But the one thing that stood out to me Was the, um, the fact that There's the hunter becoming the hunted Yeah and I wanted to see which side of things you actually preferred? Did you like being hunted more? Did you like being the hunter more?
2: Which one? Well,
1: when I was hunting when I was when <laughs> I when I was hunting, I was chasing and I was fighting often. Like I remember the year um when leading into the world title fight, I think I had nearly I, I think I'm gonna say I had nearly close to six or seven fights in the year leading up to the world title fight. I was active, man. Mm. And then when you become champion, it's like you, you, you no longer have that luxury of being that active anymore because every fight becomes a, like extravaganza. You know what I mean? It becomes like a massive event and you got to pay sanctioning fees. And don't think it's cheap to be a world champion. It's not cheap to be world champion. It costs you money to be champion. Mean? Well, example, when you are the IBF champion and you, are, you have to pay sanctioning fees to the sanctioning body, to be the champion of that belt, you need to pay them sanctioning fees and so it's a percentage of your purse so let's just say for example you're getting paid i'm just going to give an example a million dollars you have to pay 3% of a million dollars to the sanctioning body just because you got the belt just because you got the belt so and, and but, but not that i got paid that much money but i'm just saying that's the example i'm giving yeah. you but every fight, we 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 had to we had to, you had to basically be like okay we need another 30 or 40 grand just for um you know the sanctioning fees um We need the judges, but you have to fly the commissioner in Mm. because there's a commissioner of that belt. So there's all these other expenses. So fighting, even though I would have loved to defend my title 20 million times in one year, you can't because you have to pay all these sanctioning fees and like it's not easy to keep going back to the fans and be like, okay, here's another event and the tickets are another $200 or another Mm. $300 or whatnot. you know what I mean? Like, example you know but so it's not so when i became champion even though i i enjoyed being the hunter yeah the hunted was boring because i was like oh i just i only fought in a matter of a couple of years when i became champion i only fought like four or five times Mm. in a couple of years and i was like man this is too slow you know i mean i even had a at the time i had my own gym And I was paying rent in my gym. But it was cool when I was in there all the time. I was there every single day. All of a sudden, now my trainers are telling me, hey, man, go on a holiday. Go and enjoy yourself. Go to Thailand. Go to You know what I mean? (laughs) I was taking my younger brother to Thailand, having fun. I was like, man, I was champion. But I was like, I wasn't active at the time. You know what I mean? And then mm, sort of that is a bit of a detriment because I'll tell you something about being sharp in a fight. You might not understand what that means, but I'm talking about when you see a fighter unload a mad combination, like one, two, left, uppercut, right, and, and you go, wow, that was sharp, man. Mm. That only comes from being in the gym. Yep. If you have been on a holiday, say, for five weeks, six weeks, then, you know, four weeks after that, you get a call up saying, hey, listen, you're going to fight mm. in the next 10 weeks. Then mm. you go into camp for a 10-week training camp. Yep. Well, you're in that 10 weeks now trying to find your sharpness. But when you're in the gym, like, when, when, I was, when I had them 10 fights straight, I had, like, 10 fights straight, and I was, like, on, man. Every fight was, like, man, I was sharp. I could show you footage. You were, like, you're like wow. I remember uh, Andy Raymond, he was, like, what, what the hell was that? Because I just, like, my shots were just sharp, man. I was, like, yeah. I was crisp. Yeah. But then when you're out of the ring for so long, it's like, you come back to camp, you're trying to find that sharpness, and you're trying to, you know what I mean? You're trying to lose that weight. For the ring rust yeah. yeah exactly man yeah. And it, like in my last fight Against Jacob Benji I'd been out of the ring Since COVID You know oh I mean And I'd be Even though I'd been in the gym I'd been training And whatever But not Not training To prepare for a fight You know yeah. I, And I had In like two years I've had one fight Two fights In so during, during the whole COVID situation Whatever it is I've only fought twice that's So that's and that's That's pretty tough man And like so, you know, when I got in the ring with Jacob, even though in camp you feel sharp or whatever, once you're under them bright lights, man, it's a different story and you got to try to find that timing, the sharpness, you know what I mean? And you don't, it's not like being in the gym and sparring. In sparring, you've got time to sort it out. Yeah. Because you got, you know, it's not, you're not winning or losing. But when you're in a fight and you lose a round, that's one round down. You lose another round, that's two rounds down. Now you're playing catch-up, you know what I mean? And so I was lucky because the fight against Jacob and G was like, even though I, I, my sharpness was, was not 100% there, I was able to turn it into a bit of a, uh, like it, no one will ever understand how that fight went and how I mentally prepared for that fight and how I mentally broke him down mm. and, my, and my approach to that fight. I call that fight the art of war. Mm. Cause, and you might ask, well, uh, why do you call it the art of war? But in the lead up to that fight, Right, I started thinking about when I was younger and growing up. Shane Mosley, who was at the time, was my promoter and was like one of my close friends. And I was living in Sugar Shane Mosley's house Mm -hmm. while I was growing up. Um, he gave me a podcast, uh, not a podcast, an audio, an audio book, and it was called The Art of War. He yeah. downloaded it onto my phone and he goes, what I want you to do with this um, audio book is he goes, I want you to listen to it every single night when you're going to sleep. I want it to be in your subconscious. And I was like, oh, really Shane? He's like, yeah, yeah. I, I really want you to do that, please. Like every night when you go to sleep, press play and sleep with that. Say, so I, I, you know, I, I, I remember being a kid and like Sun Tzu Ji says, you know I mean? like you yeah. know, Like, you know, the art of order. You know? And so the art of war is about mentally breaking the opponent down before you even, before you even face them. It's about breaking them mentally before you even touch them, before you even, you know, think about fighting yeah, them. Really and, and, and what I did was, I, I really strategically planned this, and I really mean this, I actually planned this in my mind. When, when I went to Melbourne, no, sorry, not Melbourne, when I went to the Gold Coast for the press conference, and the press conference was at where the venue was going to be and everything. When I went to the first press conference, I played Mr. Nice Guy, I just, like, showed so much respect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Jacob's a champion. Jacob's this and Jacob's mm-hmm. that. And, you know, and I I even did some things, like, when we were staring down and gave him, like, a hug and whatever. And then I asked him about his family and, you know, spoke to his dad about, you know, I hope both of us come out of the ring safe. And I planted the seed of, like, trying to... Soften him. Soften him up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, Billy Dibbs, at the end of his career, he's 36. Yeah. You know? I, even though I said, oh, you know, like... Uh, even though I'm 36, I'm a Muslim, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't take drugs, and you'll see on a night, whatever, whatever. I was showed confidence in myself, but I gave a lot of respect to them. Mm. And that's where, the, that's where the respect stopped. Once I left that press conference and got back on the plane home, my mindset changed now. Yeah. So now, I went from being Mr. Nice Guy to throwing out verbal attacks, or not verbal attacks, cyber attacks mm. through yeah. social media. I'd post up videos of him, like, you know, like being super skinny because he was like struggling to make weight. And then I'd put his, like, I'd put Mr. Stick, the Stick Man, no and I'd put his head on it and whatever. I got, a, I had a friend of mine who was who's good with like, um, you know, graphics and that. And We did like a couple of good things, and I even like looked up anor- anorexic people on social media and bulimic <laughs> and up. stuff, and I would post it up and be like, "This is Jacob Ng right now, getting ready for the fight yeah. and whatever." And so I'd started throwing out like verbal, yeah, and Cyber attacks, yeah. Then he responded back with things, but that's what I wanted him to do because now I know I got him. Yeah, I had him because they got him to bite. (laughs) So he starts sending out pictures of old ladies and me sitting with the old ladies. (laughs) So he was doing exactly what I was doing, but started cutting my head out and putting me on an old man's body and whatever. Sucked in, yeah. And I was like, This is amazing, yeah. Yeah. And my family, my brothers are like, Don't get caught up in this shit. and I'm like, Bro, let me handle my business. I know what I'm doing, please. Because my brothers are very polit- politically correct, as you would say, you know what I mean? Like, my brother, Jihad especially, you know. Mate, don't get caught up in that stuff. It's no good. <laughs> Said, no worries, Jay. Just leave it to me. I know what I'm doing, right? Yeah. So, Definitely. now, he starts with the whole thing about Billy Dib's an old man, and blah, 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 blah. He mm-hmm. starts believing all this shit, that yeah. I'm old and that I'm over the hill and all this stuff, right? Yep. Been there, done that, has been. He's what he ha- ha- was looking at me like. Yeah. So... I'm I'm having a laugh. I'm I this is exactly what I've planned. Yep. It's all happening. So anyway, we arrive to the Gold Coast um 3 days out from the fight. Uh the uh 17th is the press conference, the 18th is the Wayne. the 19th is the fight. Mm-hmm. So we get to the press conference and we sit down and I start off respectful and then the, uh, the gentleman who's working the microphone, his name is James O'Shea. He says, Billy, he's been throwing out these verbs and whatever that you're an old man. I said, how dumb is he? <laughs> and I actually looked at him. I said, how dumb are you, man? I said, here you are, bagging me, calling me old. And, that, and I'm like, and guess what? When you lose to me, people are going to say that an old man beat you. I said, who's teaching you how to build up a fight? I said, "You, yeah, I, th- I said, listen, it's better that you shut your mouth and let me do the talking because you got no idea. And then, like, he was basically stunned. Yeah. Like, I'm talking stunned, right? And then, now and now, I've got him mentally, like, he's screwed. The look on his face, I've seen this look before. It was like, it was a look of, like, what do I do? Yeah. What, am I, what am I supposed to say? He was like, I was like, hey, Jacob, I know you've been running 10Ks every single day. And let's be honest, you're only running in the 10Ks to lose the weight. <laughs> you're only doing that to lose the weight. Because I know you're starving, Jacob. Matter of fact, hold on one second. Let me get you some Uber Eats. I said, can you bring up that Uber Eats that I ordered? And <laughs> I got somebody in the crowd to bring up Uber Eats. Oh, <laughs> No joke, I did. That's crazy. I, That's I good. swear, I promised I did exactly that. He was rattled, man. And he's like, well, everyone on my social media scene, I've been eating good. I've been eating fish and rice. I go, you call that food? Fish and rice. I've been having a little bit of salad. I go, okay, you call that food? I said, look, man, you got no idea, bro. I okay, okay, go, okay, it's better that you keep quiet. And anyway, so I mentally had like got him bad, right? Mm. And then I'll tell you what I did. This is, the, this is the gun thing that I did. I was like, now tomorrow, tonight, Jacob, before you go to sleep, make sure you run 10 kilometers, Jacob. And tomorrow when you wake <laughs> up in the morning, you run another 10Ks because you got to come in on weight. If you don't come in on weight, you're in trouble, Jacob. I'm telling you, right? <laughs> so anyway, we get to the weigh-in. I get up in the morning and I get on a scale, right? I'm in my room. And I did a little bit of a workout, whatever it is, to get the weight off. And fine, I'm on weight exactly 61.2. I don't want to be no lighter than that. Now, professionally, what you would do is like make sure you come in at 61 on your scale just because like, sometimes there's a bit of a change in scales. Mm. And now I was on weight on my scale, you know what I mean? So I, I figured I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to be on weight. Anyway, so we get to the stage, whatever it is. Billy, Dib, can you step on the scale first? Yes, I can. No problem. I'm the challenger, right? He's the champion. I'm the challenger, yeah. so i got to show that respect. i got to get on the scale first. Mm-hmm. I get on a scale, and I step on a scale, and um, I came in at 61.35. So I'm 100 grams overweight. Yeah. But th- there was something wrong with their scale, but I didn't argue because mm. I wanted him to think that I was struggling to make weight, which I wasn't. Not at all, you know what I mean? Because I actually fight at 59 kilos. That was an extra, yeah. extra 2.2 kilos. Like to play with, I was like, I was super comfortable, right? Yeah. And what I could have done right there and there to make the weight is just get a towel, take my underwear off, and I make weight. That's yeah. as easy as a, I was like, you know what? No, nah, no, nah, let me go. I need to go to the sauna, right? So, what do you think the first thing that he says after he makes weight? They they interview him, he's like, oh, Billy Deep said oh, I wouldn't make weight. He couldn't even make weight. And mind you, he's looking like this, like a full junkie, right? Like a full junkie. And I hope Jacob Ben sees you're a junkie, Jacob <laughs> So he looks like a full junkie, right? Like all scrawny and that, you know. And, yeah. and I'm like, anyway. So I went off, <laughs> got in the steam room for like five minutes, made come back, make weight. No, no problem. Anyway, oh man, yeah, I've struggled to make weight. Whatever, I played the whole thing, right? Yeah. Mind you, it's not like that at all. Mm. Then we get to the ring, and then I know that he comes out to the ring dancing, and he does this whole flamingo thing, and do a little dance. You're (laughs) gonna get down tonight. Whatever. That's the song that he walks out with, right? So I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta upstage this guy. I'm in his crowd. I'm with his people. And I gotta gotta do something big. So um I came out with um Shaka Khan. Ain't nobody loves me (laughs) better. No way. (laughs) And I'll come out dancing and carrying on, whatever, whatever. People in the crowd. Some 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 girl looks at me who's sitting next to his girlfriend or his fiance yeah. and she goes to me f you you dirty wog while i was oh walking i was yeah. like man i'm really in your guy's head <laughs> yeah. i'm really in you your guy's head that i was like really in their head and yeah. then and yeah. then so i've slowly shine walking out to the ring right no one really cares about his walkout then i get in the ring and then he gets into the ring after me right because i'm in the ring and as he gets in the ring i give him a little push on the head <laughs> i'm just planting the seeds like to break him mm-hmm. down mentally you know what i mean and I did that throughout the whole fight. And in the end, there was something that happened. It's called a self-implosion. And he self-imploded, man. Did Just because I pushed him so much, I pushed him so much, so much. In the end, he was self-imploded, man. You saw what he did. What, yeah. do,
2: you, what do you mean, sorry? For what do you mean by self-imploded?
1: Self-imploded, man, because I pushed him to the point of breaking, like, mentally. You know what, mm-hmm. what I mean? He was like, yeah. man, I can't deal with this shit no more. So he picks me up and throws me. Yeah.
2: Oh, right? okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he's had a self-implosion, wow. you know what I mean? He's had, you could say he had a brain explosion, I but he, mean, yeah, I yeah, call it a self-implosion yeah, because yeah, he imploded yeah. from within himself yeah, exactly. because I had frustrated him so much. Oh and that's God. called the art of war, man. That's called, you know what I mean? Like now at this age, I'm 36, right? Mm. And Billy Dib of 25, 26, 27 would beat the shit out of Billy Dibb of 36. That's yeah. the truth. Wow. But the 36-year-old Billy Dib would outsmart Billy Dibb of 25, 26. Yeah. I'd yep. play mind games with him. You know a mean? wily veteran, huh? Yeah, it's it's called veteran veteran tactics. 100. And that's and I'm I'm only just growing into that now. You know what I mean? Like mm. I remember being a young boy and fighting these veterans, and and they tried to upset me, and sometimes I'd bite. You know what I mean? Mm. But I was just lucky that Alhamdulillah, I had the good skill set that could get me through. Yep. So, but yeah, man, that's that's uh, that's definitely um, you know, one of the definite highlights of my recent career is that. How I was mentally able to go back on something as a young boy, and use that what I was taught by Shane Mosley. Shout out to Shane Mosley, you know, for um, uh, you know, for for giving me that audio book, and I was able to put that into into play. It was awesome, man. Nice, man. Well, awesome.
0: Nice. That's a crazy story. You know, and I was thinking about it because I was watching I was watching the press conferences, and then I ended up watching the fight as well, and I was tripping out because I was like. What's Billy doing? You know, like there's there's like this constant loop of like you were nice at the start and then you ended up like giving it to his life and whatever. Because I started following it myself, and then um, I ended up seeing, I ended up seeing the um, the result of it in the ring, like you were saying. You seen him? He, how he tried to peg you at the end because he couldn't couldn't get what he wanted to get out of you on in the in the in the cage like normally. Yeah, sorry, in the ring normally. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it, the thing is, man, is that he was. Spending his whole time Talking about I'm gonna knock Billy Dib out I'm gonna knock Billy Dib out I'm gonna knock Billy Dib out You know That's all he said You could pray it on repeat You know And so I thought to myself This guy Is just banking on Knocking me out Mm. And you know what Straight up Jacob you can't hit for shit (laughs) You're shit You're shit I hope you watch this You are shit man He couldn't hit He couldn't He couldn't crack an egg I'm serious He had no power whatsoever Nothing, it's all 10K, it was, man, man, nothing. All he did was just waste himself away running to make that weight. You see how tall the guy is, right? Yeah, mm. he should be fighting a water weight or something like that. Man, the guys busy trying to make lightweight, trying <laughs> to be a giant, but he loses his power by doing that.
0: Exactly,
1: he lost all of his strength by doing that. And I swear to you, he had no power whatsoever. And I was like, Man, if this guy's banking on knocking me out, he's 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 lost the plot, you know yeah. what I mean. And so, you know, I knew mentally, like, everyone's like, man, just get through the first couple of rounds. I'm like, get through what, man? This guy can't hurt me. He can't hurt me. Mm. Like, he's too slow. He's, you know, he's, he's not crisp. You know, he's slapping. And what. anyway, look, man, he, he can say what he wants. They, they were like, oh, we were going to stop you later in the fight. Mm. You ain't going to stop shit. I was going to stop you, and that's the truth. You know what I mean? You had a self-implosion. I won. You lost. The belt of mine. Hope you them, like Jacob. You know they're looking good. On my, they're <laughs> sitting tight with me right now, man.
0: And us, yeah. man. I, I'm touching your belt too, Jacob. You know ain't I mean? so. <laughs> you know, no, it's Jake. a little. Relax. Don't come for me. A little bit me. of rubbing the soul and <laughs> the wound.
1: Shout out to Ace Boxing Promotions for the belts. Love it, man. Love it. Boys. Yeah. Angelo the you're the man, brother.
0: <laughs> yeah, I want to I switch gears, but I want to talk. So I want to talk more so about the mentality or the mental state that it goes into, like fighting in general, because. A lot of people, like you were saying, they're gym champions, you know? Yeah. A lot of people are gym champions. They can, they can mix it up with the best of them, you know, in ring, inspiring and whatever. And then underneath the bright lights, it's a different ball game. Yeah. Like, how do you feel? And then if you, if you do feel like that nervousness or whatever it is, like as normal like as people do, what do you do to kind of calm the nerves and the mental, the mental state?
1: Well, man, for me, look, bro, it's obviously you get nervous, it's it's a given, you're going to get nervous, you're going to get anxiety and things like that, but the truth is, is that if you've prepared well, you'll overcome that, yeah. because when you have prepared well, you know that you're going to go in there and do the job, but if you haven't prepared well, that's when doubt starts to kick in, that's when the anxiety levels hit higher levels, you know what I mean, that's when things like that take over, but for me, alhamdulillah, man, look, I've always trained really hard and I've left no stone unturned. And, and, and I do get nervous before fights, but it's not about losing. Mm. For me, when I get nervous, it's about letting people down. I don't want to let my family down. I don't want to let my friends down. I don't want to let my supporters down. That's the one thing that I fear is letting people down. But I've never feared losing, man. Life is... You know, even if you're a winner like Floyd Malva, right? Floyd Malva's undefeated champion like Killer, you know what I mean? Joe Calzaghi. There's been some really great fighters who have gone undefeated, you know what I mean, in their career. You know, but the thing is, in life, we lose.
2: You know, we lose
1: lose on a daily basis. Every day of your life, you lose. Because every day that you live a day, there's another day that you've lost that's another day closer to your death. Yep. So life is about, you know, we we are losing every day, man. You and you might not lose a fight. You might you might I've lost money in the past. I've lost things like that. I've lost loved ones. Mm. I lost my wife. Mm. You know what I mean? You lose. Life is about losing, man, but it's about, you know, you see God has created us as a, a forgetful nation, man. We are a forgetful nation, we are, because and the word the the word in sand, in sand comes like basically when they say insi is what we are we, We're called an insan And that's because that when you translate that is forgetful human Because if we weren't a forgetful type of person Imagine every time, you know, uh, calamity hit your life You'd never be able to get over it mm-hmm. But Allah created us in a way that we'd be able to forget mm-hmm. And move forward, man Because sometimes you go to a funeral You see somebody pass away And you're so sad Yet a week later You're with another mate And you're having a laugh about something You yeah. know what I mean? It's true you know, I rem- like, uh, man, I've been in the situation myself. I know what it feels like. Yeah. And, and like, you know, not everything in life is about winning, man. It's about how you pick yourself up and move forward yeah. from certain calamities that hit you.
0: Yeah.
1: So, you know, it's, like I said, kudos to Floyd Malva and Joe Calzaghi and some of the other great champions out there who have re- retired undefeated, you know I mean? Rocky Marciano, all these sort of guys. But it's it's not everything, man, yeah, you know, so. it shows character, and, you know, when whenever I've lost, and the, the, as I'm saying to you guys, like, you know, I've lost now six times in my career, and I've always found myself back in the world ratings, that makes me really proud, man, yeah. because that's a story that can be told, because if I go to a school and talk to a bunch of kids, and say, then, then, listen, you know, tough times don't last, tough people do, da, 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 they can resonate to me because that, cause I can tell them, look, I've lost six times in my career but I built myself back up. Mm-hmm. I found myself back in the ratings and that's, that's simply by having a never say die attitude mm-hmm. and my, my slogan in life or my, my, you know, the one thing that I go by is that vision, consistency, success. Everything in life starts mm-hmm. with the vision. Consistency brings you to the success. Mm-hmm. But if you have a vision and you don't, Act upon that vision, that's just a vision. Exactly. Vision's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow you wake up, they're like, you know, what, man, I want to be a football player. Mm. Next day you wake up, I want to be a UFC player. <laughs> you know, what? Yeah. like that's, you know, that's the kind of mentality that some people have. They, they, they're not set firm on one thing, but if you have a vision and you're very, very adamant about that vision and consistent in that vision, you'll only get success. In regard, regardless of whatever you want to do, the podcast that you guys are doing. You're traveling around, doing whatever you're trying to do to make this serious podcast. If you remain consistent, before you know it, you guys will have an amazing following. Exactly. You just have to love turn it. up, yeah? Exactly, man. You just got to get it done. 100%. That's exactly what it is.
0: 100%. That's um, it's amazing that you ended up touching on, like, <coughs> us as human beings just consistently losing, you know? Yeah. Because um, it's something that we wrestle with, like, every day. Like, you, you, like, there's people that can handle it and people that can't. And the people that can handle it or the people that of persevere are the ones that end up getting there in the end you know like you were saying and um yeah like i just wanted to see like there's 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 moments in your life where you start to like wrestle with your mortality yeah like when you're younger in your younger years like you're younger billy deep you know mm. you're 25 26 you're at Mosley's house you know you're, you're kicking it you know you kind of have that sense of that you know like that invincibility you know you're on top of the world you got the belts um, and I remember you were talking about a fight that you wrestled with death, basically. Yeah. In a, and um, I want to see if you can just yeah. jog your memory with that the, one.
1: The belt's sitting right behind you was for the IBO world, world title, the IBO's for the world title, and then lead up to the fight, I spent a lot of time in the media telling them that I'd be willing to die before I leave the ring without the ring. I'm not leaving the belt without that. I'm not, I'm not leaving the ring without that belt. I'm going to be the champion. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And I took... And even though I worked hard in the lead up, when when it came the day of the fight, the anxiety levels hit like a uh, sky high. Sky high. And this guy that I was fighting was no joke, man. He was taller than me. He had much longer reach than me. I couldn't even believe that he made the weight. The truth is, I don't know how he made the weight. God rest his soul, he passed away now, man. So he got shot dead just oh, wow. over a couple of months ago. And, man... On the day of the fight, bro, I could not contain myself. I spent hours crying, man, crying, crying my eyes out because I was scared to let people down, you know what I mean? And I'd spent all this time on, on, in the media saying, I'll, I'll die before I leave the ring. And that was like my whole thing. I'll die before I leave the ring. What the hell are you going to die? I'm not going to die in no ring, you know what I mean? <laughs> I think about myself saying that now. I'm like, you stupid, Billy. <laughs> anyway, and and I remember coming down um, when I was in my room, and I got in the lift, and I got down, came down the lift, and, and then the lift opened up, and when it opened up, all my family was there, all my cousins, my relatives, my Auntie Hoda, my mum, everyone was clapping, and I, you know what I did? I turned around, got back in the lift, and went back up, I was crying oh my, my eyes out, man. Because I was like, I'm gonna let all these people down. I was like, not that I didn't believe myself, but I was like, man, like, I, man, I just wasted so much energy crying. Anyway, when we got to the, eventually got to the arena, and like, you know, I'm the main support to Anthony Mundine and whatever, whatever. My trainer, um, one of my trainers at the time, his name is Brian Wilmot, who's my cut man, but he's also one of my trainers. He writes on the wall with sticky tape, W-I-N, win. That's it. Just wrote win on, the, on like big big sticky tape letters. Mm. And I was like, that's exactly what I'm going to do today. I'm going to go out and win no matter what happens, man. And I, and I said to Johnny Lewis, I said, Johnny, listen, whatever happens in the fight, Don't stop the fight. Oh, well. Whatever happens, let me go out on my shield, man. Let Mm. me do what I got to do. And I got in the ring, and I promise you, I saw death. I really, really saw death, you know what I mean? And I think it was like in round nine, Johnny Lewis says to me, Billy, listen, no one will question your heart if I stop the fight now. And I'm like, no way, Johnny. No way, I'll die in here, I'm not going to, you dare stop the fight, I'm going to kill this guy, you know what I mean? And I ended up winning the fight, it was a close fight man, I won, when I went back home, well I didn't go home because we, we were in Newcastle, it's where the fight took place, when I went back to the hotel, I was shivering man, I was shivering, I was like, couldn't contain myself, I was getting the chills, my, the body aches that I had, my head, my, everything was killing me man, yeah. I really, really, I to sweaty, I thought man, I'm going to die tonight. I I went to a place of death. And then, let me tell you something. After that, mentally, I was a little bit broken. I needed time to recover from that, man. Like, I wasn't willing to go... Like, I went to a place of death to win, and I wasn't willing to do that again for a while. I was not willing to do that for a while, you know what I mean? I just... Uh, gee, I wasn't willing to go there. That broke something in the ring that day, that broke something. Mm. Definitely something inside me got broken, whatever. And left the a piece of you there, yeah. Man, I left a piece of me in that ring. Newcastle owns a piece of my 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 um you know my upbringing man, I'm telling you, because Is that it was it was tough. But I got through it. Yeah. And you know, I, and like like I said, we were talking about getting through tough times, you know what I mean? Even though I won, I lost something in that ring. Yeah. You see? I won, but I lost.
2: Yeah, you learned something. We, we,
1: b- b- see what I'm saying to you? Mm. It's not always about winning. We, in, like in life, you lose a lot of things. And I lost something on that night. I'm telling you I did. Yeah. I know myself. Because the following fight when I fought um, Stephen Louvino for the WBO featherweight world title, and this was a world title that I really, really wanted, man. I wanted it bad. But I, wasn't, I didn't want it bad enough to push myself to the point of death. Yeah. Mm. And you know why I wanted it bad? Because my childhood hero, Prince Nassim Hamed, he held that belt. And I always imagined that I would hold the same title as him. Yeah. And that IBF 4 title that you're seeing behind you, he actually held that title. That's why I'm so proud to have it. Because yeah. he beat Tom Boom Boom Johnson for that title in 1997. But when I fought Stephen Louvino, I wasn't willing to go to that place of death. Yep. You know what I said to myself? I'll live to fight another day. That's it. <laughs> Wallah, that's what I said. Wallah, I was not willing to go to a place of death with this guy, man. I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. Not this time. Not after what I've just been through, you know? Yeah. And that's why I think I should have took a little bit more time. But everything in your life happens for the greatest of reasons. Mm-hmm. Right after the loss to Stephen Leuveno, I found myself at a crossroads. People were writing me off. I was 23 years old. People were saying, he's done. 23 and people were saying, I'm done. Oh, he's a, ho- he's a hoax. He's a fake. And I remember being on the phone with Princess Hamed, And he said, listen, come see me and let's spend some time together and that. Some, something about Nassim He always had the ability to To help me You know Feel like I was You know A champion or whatever. He always put me on a high You know what I mean Every time yeah. I got off the phone with him I felt like I was on such a high mm. After I got off the phone with him Literally 10, month, ten, day, ten, ten minutes later 10 minutes later yeah. I get a phone call and My mom's sitting next to me From the Saudi embassy Saying Assalamualaikum Who's this He said Oh it's such and such From the Saudi embassy been, but me, you've been invited to perform Hajj. Oh. And I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> And I'm like, when? And he told me the dates and I was like, that's around the time that I'm going to hang out with Princess Zim, you know what I mean? So I was like, well, unfortunately, I'm going to turn you down. And my mum, when I hung up the phone, she had this look of disgust on her face. I've never seen this look on my mum's face ever. Yeah. And me and my mum was super close. She's like, how dare you? And I'm like, What?
2: To you, it's just h- a normal decision. Yeah, she goes,
1: "How dare you?" She goes, "Allah ta'ala just invited you to Mecca to perform Hajj, bet Allah." And she goes, "And you turned it down? Like you're disgusting." And I was like, "Mom, I'm gonna go hang out with Naz. She's <laughs> like, "Oh, she goes, let me tell you something. Naz ain't gonna help you win no world titles. You wanna <laughs> win a no world title, you need to go see, you need to go speak to Allah. That's what you need to do." So I was like, "Oh man, she's right," you know. Yeah. So I rang the guy back and I was like, look, I'm really embarrassed, but <laughs> is that office still open? He goes, of course. And next that. thing you know, I find myself on a trip to Hajj. And all. I called the trip to Hajj because I I, I I, name everything, right? So I, I named it the labor of love. And you might ask me, why would you call it the labor of love? And you know, going to Hajj is not easy, man. Yep. It's only something that you do out of love because it's hard work, man. It's hard work. It's, and you've got to have a lot of patience and tolerance for people's you know, may Allah forgive all those who are uh, Hajj hurting people You know, like pushing the... Stampeding you know, and Man, and I'm serious Like oh some people yeah. are just
2: like... I've like, seen, I've, like I've seen Tawaf, I can't imagine Hajj There's, like no, there's no,
1: there's no, there's no like haniya <laughs> at all man It's like, yeah. <laughs> and Nafsi, Nafsi, Nafsi yeah. You know what I mean? I'm serious yeah. Yeah. And I say, so you know, like yeah. subhanAllah I went to Hajj And when I was in Arafat I, um... My dad says, because my dad was in Hajj too, but he was in a different crew. I was with the Saudi crew, you know, I'm living it up. You know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> my dad was with the Australian crew that he took over. And um, my dad says, listen, when you're in Arafat, ask for whatever you want. I said, dad, whatever I want. He goes, whatever you want, come true. I said, come on, dad. He said, whatever you want. I said, I feel a little bit guilty asking for boxing people are out there, starving, dad. Yeah. He goes, it doesn't matter. Make the for everyone and everything, but make the for whatever you want. He says, ya Allah. I know you allowed me to win a world title, but can I win one more, please? <laughs> Could you direct me to the right team that would help me win a world title? And subhanAllah, when I came home, it's like everything fell into place. It's like, Allah, you, you asked for that? Let me give you that. I was like, I should have asked for maybe another two or three. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> then ask for enough, yeah. Like, whatever I asked for, Allah gave me. Yeah. So if I ever said to, like when, I, when I've, you know, I've made dua when I was going to fight Tevin Farmer for the IBF, Superfather Allah to say, Ya Rabb, please Ya Allah, grant me this victory Ya Allah, please. I'm begging Ya Allah, grant me this victory. And then I lost. I was like, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, Ya Allah, could you have just like tweaked it a little bit? <laughs> could you have put that in my like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Decreed that for me? Oh Allah. But SubhanAllah, man, like I said, you know, it's just been an amazing journey, man. Yeah. I swear, honestly, I wouldn't change it for anything. There's been the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs. But I am where I am today because of whatever Allah's put me through, you know what I mean? 100%. And honestly yeah. like there's there's so much that I there's so much more that I wanted. But alhamdulillah. Wala. You know i mean? like honestly I I the the greatest gift that I have now is my wife and my son. That's my greatest Wala. gift. Wallah, they're the best. My wife's the best person to me and my son is just an absolute champion, you know what I mean? A box, I don't think so. He says, I don't think so, Dad.
2: <laughs> uh, no, he, he loves
1: boxing, man. And to be honest with you guys, like, we had to sort of scare him the other day. I had to get my brother to sort of like put the heat on him a little bit. Cause yeah. he was test him out. No, nah, because he was getting, man, he was getting around hitting all these kids. And oh, wow. And I'm not just talking about hitting them. I'm talking about dropping them for real. <laughs> oh, like no. he, hit my, he hit my sister's daughter with a straight right hook boom, right in the face, <laughs> dropped her, <laughs> my niece just laughed, but yeah, that's a just, photo, man, yeah. he, like, honestly, we, we, we do this iftar thing every Friday with the family, and there's, like, loads and loads of kids, man, he bashes every, every kid, he bashes the big ones, the small ones, he does what not care, saying. so I had to get my brother to, like, sort of scare him a little bit, and now he just refuses to hit anybody, if, if he gets that, I got him, like I ring NASA, and he goes, no, 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 <laughs> no. You know I, mean? I said, Dad, you can only hit people when you've got the boxing gloves on. Okay, boxing gloves, I say, but there's no boxing gloves here. <laughs> Even I've, I've, I've had to hide all of the gloves, everything, because I'm not joking, man. Oh. This kid is throwing right uppercuts, left hooks, <laughs> jabs, right hands. <laughs> this is
2: oh. a <laughs> man, He's doing
1: the whole nine yards, right? And I'm like, man, I've got I to gotta stop this kid, man. This kid's going to kill me, he's going to want to box. Yeah. And now I understand what my mom and dad are going through. And my mom and dad are like, oh man, we don't want you to box and whatever. My dad tells me every day now, like, please, you've had a great career. You've won two world titles. What more do you want? Yeah. The champion, the maruf. Just don't. You know, I said, dad, I love it, man. Yeah. I know. He goes, I lo- you love it, but we love you. We want you around. You know what I mean? Why don't we get injured? And I understand that. You know what I mean? But everyone has their own journey, man. Yeah. 100%. And wallah, it's crazy because... When I was younger, I never imagined that I'd be fighting until I was 36. But I still feel good, man. I'm still within my faculties. I still speak well. I ain't no stuttering or anything like that, you know (laughs) what I mean? Because people do that, you know what I mean? You get hit too many times in the head, you start stuttering, you know, and I don't do that. So alhamdulillah, and I don't want to do that, man. And obviously, you know, you got to pick the right time. And I've made a decision now that unless I get a really, really big fight, like I'm talking really big fight, I'm talking mega fight, then I'm pretty much going to park it up where it is, man. And when I say big fight, I mean, I'll put the names out there. I mean, people like Javonte Davis, Maxi Hughes, Leo Santa Cruz, uh, uh, Devin Haney, George Cambosis, Ryan Garcia, like pretty much they're the big names that I want, man. Yeah. If it ain't them, then I'm not, f- not interested anymore. It's all Should good. Nah. <laughs> nah. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Look, man, my, my, my goal now in life, Wallah, is to become one of the best keynote speakers in the world. I want to become one of the best keynote speakers in the world. I want to travel the world. I want to be the next, you know, we all aspire to be like somebody. And even though we had great people in, in our dean who, you know, spread word and whatever. And, but you can compare yourself to people in the the time that you're living. And, you know, Tony Robbins, Anthony Robbins are, are such great keynote speakers traveling the world, mm-hmm. shining light and, and 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 positivity upon people. And that's what I want to do. I want to use my story to shine light upon people, man. I want people to know that regardless of whatever you're going through in your life, if you persevere, you'll get there. 100%. You know, you get knocked down, but you can get back up. 100%. And that's what I want to do. I want to just do that. So, you know, this is, this is our gym now, Fight Club in Bankstown. You know, it's here for young kids who are, you know, going through certain things in their life. You know, we just want to, we just want to, you know, inspire, you know. Aspire to inspire. You know what I mean? We mm. just want to teach young kids that chase your dreams, leave no stone unturned, and uh, success will follow.
0: And that's what's good about boxing as well. teaches discipline, huh? Eh? Definitely. It's man. something
1: that everyone needs in their life. Definitely. Boxing is a sport of discipline, and uh, we all need that for sure, man. 100%. That's the one thing for my son, you know, man. It's like if, if boxing can teach him that discipline, then that's good, you know what I mean? But. In regards to him competing in the sport, that's not something that I don't want him to do.
0: So you fought for him to not be able, not need. To well, yeah, I mean,
1: side. but the thing is, look, it's 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 crazy because in now now times, like fighters are now starting to capitalize off their father's name, mm. and my son might see an opportunity to capitalize off my name when he gets older, yeah. just the same way that Conor Ben has capitalized off his dad, Nigel Ben. Tim who's capitalized off Costa's You know, yeah. the Chris Shewbanks off his dad. And now it seems Hamed's sons are going to be coming through. Oh, so they see nice. this opportunity to capitalize and make money. You know what I mean? 100%. And obviously I never want to stop my son from making money, but everything that I have is for him anyway. Like that Creed story, yeah? 100%. Yeah, exactly, man. It's a, it, 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 That's a true story, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a real life story when you think about all these other fighters that are doing it now, like Conor Ben and all that stuff. And, 100%. you know, my, even my younger brother Yusuf, he's doing it. You know what I mean? But he, it's it's, it's different when it, when it's your son, it's different. You know what I mean? When your brother's a different thing, but when it's your son that does it, people like it's all eyes on your son because they want to see is he cut from the same cloth as his father. Yeah, it's yeah. To him. same 100%. genes, same genetics.
2: Hundred percent, hundred percent. I don't know if you got any more questions. I've got one question. So for like the next generation, you're talking not just for your son, but the people that attend this gym. How do you? help them like develop the balance of like you know having a strong vision like you said but then also not too strong that you neglect other things in your life especially yeah. at a young age as well they could be super excited super keen
1: well the most important thing for me man is being faith that's the most important thing and i'll and and i will go into another story to, to answer that question but when my son was born when i watched my son being born i was extremely happy you know some people say oh they cry i don't i didn't cry i just smiled i seen this young boy coming into this world and i thought man I need to learn how to read Quran, that was the first thing that came to my head, oh. mm. I gotta learn how to read the Quran and then like, and I was thinking man, because when this kid gets older, and I said to him dad, you gotta learn how to read Quran, he says to me, oh what do I need to learn you didn't learn, because I think about the mentality of today's generation, that's something they say, why do mm. I need to learn and you didn't learn,
0: you know? You're gonna like to stand on them. I yeah. gotta elect
1: like to stand on but now I do. Because I've learned how to read the Qur'an. I've learned how how to read Arabic. In two years, I've managed to, you know, perfect, to some extent, reading Arabic. So, now, I take him with me to Qur'an class. And even though he's only little, I just bring him to be around the atmosphere of it. Because I want him to see where he's going to go. 100%. Like, when he starts seeing it, and he starts becoming familiar with these people, he'll start to think. So, the most important thing for me... First and foremost, be t- before boxing, education, anything is, f- is faith in Deen. That's number one. Everything else is after. But then, education is important to me as well because without an education, knowledge is power.
2: Mm-hmm. It is.
1: Yeah. Knowledge in power. Kn- knowledge is power, and power is success. Very simple. Without the knowledge, you got no power. Without the power, you got no success. Mm-hmm. It all follows. So. Getting an education is super, super important. Being knowledgeable is super important. You need to have an education, and that's going to build the success. And I got an education, and an education made me smart enough to be able to deal with certain people and certain things. So answering your question, yeah. yes. My thing that I try to teach young children and kids and boys and girls and whatever it is is that knowledge is power, and power is success, vision Consistency, success, work hard, but be connected to your faith and be respectful and treat people as though you want to be be treated.
0: I have a couple more questions. Okay. down. there. this up? Yeah, I had just a couple more questions. like well, I was talking to you about before on the couch, and uh, you said save it for the podcast, so I wanted to just touch on this one. Um, obviously after a certain level of success, you start to get yourself into different rooms, you know, you start to get yourself more, to more the upper echelon, and the, you know, like you start to like, roll with the high rollers and whatever, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask, what's the craziest thing you've seen, like for example, Lupe Fiasco, I don't know if you know him, The he's a rapper from America, he goes, at one stage he got invited to like, a billionaire's house or whatever it is, and at the billionaire's house, They're serving things like meat that's only cut once every four or five years, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, or something like that. Or or this is only harvested once every ten years or whatever it is.
1: They're serving it up. What's the craziest thing you've seen? Well, it's not the craziest thing that I've seen. But the thing is is that when I became champion, I had access to certain things that people didn't have access to. That was the coolest thing. For me, like, I can't say to you, oh, I've seen something that was so cool. but, But, like, I was just so... Wrapped in the fact that I could be somewhere that you couldn't. Like, I was mad about the, f- the St. George Dragons when I was growing up. All of a sudden, I find myself in the change rooms with them. Like, before the games. I'm watching Wayne Bennett talk to the team. I'm like, what the hell, man? I'm in, I'm in like, the creme de la creme, right? I'm, like, I'm like in the spot. Yeah. I'm watching the coaches talk to the players before halftime. You know what I mean? After, you know, during halftime and all that. And I'm right there, man. I'm like listening to the instructions and everything. I'm in the training camps with these guys. That was cool to me. The other thing is, is that when Eminem came to Australia, Fifty Cent didn't come with him. Eminem came to Australia. Fifty Cent got me backstage passes to go chill out with like Eminem. So you know, like yeah, it. no joke. And and yeah. um and uh and like you know I was actually behind on a stage. Um, you know, during the time that they were like full singing or whatever it was, right? Also, yeah. Not the not the best of um, places to be, but like again, access to something that people can't have access to. You know, hanging out with Fifty Cent, even though it didn't end up didn't end the way that I would like yeah. the friendship to end. But you know, being able to be like with my cousin, I'm like, hey, cousin, you want to talk to Fifty? What? Like, like, yeah, I'm like ringing right now, man. Hold on one second. Fifth, what's going on, brother? Can you speak to my cousin for a second? <laughs> that was cool, you know what I mean? That was like, shit. Had, like, I had access to certain things, you know what I mean? And even, like, till today, which is a total blessing, man. And, and um, you know, I go certain places and people don't want me to pay for things and they want to give me things and whatever like that. And it's, it, it's nice to be recognized, man. But I always tell them, like, no, no, I don't need that. I can afford to buy it. No, 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 you're our champion or whatever. Like, even though you, I was their champion... I'm still their champion. Like, to people, it's like, once a champion, always a champion, you know what I mean? And, like, when I ring my brother's phones, they've still got, like, the champion's calling. You know what I mean? Like, they show me that love, you know what I mean? That's, yeah, that's, that's a nice. big thing, you yeah, know what I mean? Awesome. Well I joke around sometimes with my relatives. I'm like, man, when I was champion, you would have never did that to me, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, nah, man. I say, you would have never said that to me when I was champion. I just joke on it, you know what I mean? But But, like, you know, obviously... As I said to you, man, I had access to certain things and I still do have the access if I want it. Mm. I just choose not to have it. Mm. You know what I mean? But I could ha- I could access whatever I want, you know what I mean? Alhamdulillah, any event that's on, if I want to go to the event, uh, you know, I, I can go to the event. Like Lou DiBella, I contacted Lou Debella, who's George Cambos' promoter. said, Lou, I'd like to come to the fight. No problem, Billy, you're my guest, you know what I mean? So I'll have like a front row seat at the fight. Mm. That's mm. nice, you know what I mean? I feel, like, I feel like that... I like to be made to feel like you know what my achievements gave me something. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, And the last question I wanted to ask, I don't know. Do we? What's how long have we are left? Just one. Let's go, go. Ahead. Okay. Um, the last question. I was like, you know, if you lo- if you could go back in time now and you saw your younger self, like maybe eighteen year old Billy, yeah, what would you say to him?
1: Well. I'm going to go even lower than that. I'm going to go back to when I was 12. If 36-year-old Billy could tell 12-year-old Billy, hey, champ, when you are 23, you're going to be the IBO Super Featherweight World Champion. And when you're 26, you're going to be the IBF Featherweight World Champion. And you're going to reign for a few years. And you're going to be connected to this guy and that guy. And that guy," I would have said, man, that's all I want. Because, you know, when I was a kid, All I ever dreamed of was being world champion. That's it. And all I used to say was, if I just win one world title, I'll be the happiest guy for the remainder of my life. And even when I was prepping for the IBF world title, which was my second world title, I said, if I win this title, this title will give me a lifetime of happiness. I believed that when I was at that time. But if I could go back and tell that young Billy did that, this way it would be. And obviously I'd be super excited and whatever. Because, you know, I, all I, that's all I dreamed of. So I want to I be world champion. I need to be world champion. Ya Allah, please give me that world title. That's all I dreamed of, man. That's like I, you know, when they say you, like I just manifested it and manifested it and manifested it until it came true, 100%. right? But I did a podcast or I did an interview with um uh, Muhammad Hoblos many years ago. Yeah. And I told him, I said, it's crazy because I thought the happiness come through the belt, but there's no happiness in them titles, man. It's a short, a short happiness. It's minimal, you know what I mean? It's just an achievement, you know what I mean? It's something really cool that people can talk about. Like my dad can say my son was a world champion. My brother can tell his mates my brother was champion of the world. My nieces and nephews are growing up now and understanding that, wow, my uncle was champion of the world. That's like historic, you know what I mean? But in regards to giving you happiness in that, man, no happiness comes through no sport, no nothing like that. It's temporary happiness, man. 100%. And I've I, I've, I really, wallah, the truth is, I've found more happiness in learning how to read the Quran than I have in that wahiyat oh. like Allah. Like, I get chills, man. Mm. When I read from the Quran, and I'm like, and the Sheikh doesn't stop me, I'm like, man, I'm actually doing this, you <laughs> know? <laughs> yeah. And I tell him, like, Sheikh, you know, when I was learning from the small books and I was stuttering and st- and, and he's like I told you You'd get to this point man I told you, you know, And that actually Makes me really proud Because I'm like You know when, when I was learning I said to me Oh If you die in this Circumstance right now Allah will resurrect you As somebody who knows The Quran off by heart So I'm like Wow really? Oh. So let me keep pushing You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I, I wouldn't push Like that for anything else You know what I mean? Like When he said to me Oh Bilal Because it was tough times man It was hard Trying to man, I didn't know I left there uh, Nothing Oh, well, wow. mm. I knew A, B, C, D, but then that's all I knew. <laughs> and then I left, but uh, whatever it is, right? But for the fact that I was able to pick it up, and, and then when he told me what he told me, I was like, man, I'm going to come every Tuesday, every Thursday, and every Saturday, I'm going to be here because I just want to learn because if Allah decides to take me, man, I want him to take me as somebody that knows the whole Quran. 100%. That's got to be worth something, you know what I mean? See, when I get to the end of my life and I face Allah... You know, Allah might be proud of me for winning the world titles and for giving our people a bit of a platform and whatever it is, but yeah. that's not really where the happiness is going to come from. Or that that's not going to get you into Jannah. That ain't going to get you into Jannah, bro. Yeah, and true. and 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 you know, let's be honest, right? Some scholars would say that hitting people in the face is haram, mm. right? So, but ha, like in saying that, man, because that's a, something that people ask me all the time. Oh, is boxing haram? Was so I don't know, man. Mm. I don't know. But all I know is that it's given me a platform to be able to be a voice for our people. That's it. To try to shed some positivity and light to the younger generations. And I never ever go to a school and tell the kids I want you to box. Never. I always tell the kids when I go to schools, I always say, listen, the importance of education is, you know, important. I said, listen, I said, whether you want to be a lawyer, a doctor, whether you want to be a school teacher, whether you want to be a garbage cleaner, whatever you want to be, be the best at it. I never, I never tell anybody Oh you want to be a boxer No I don't Because I don't want that on my If it is haram I don't want that on, on my 100%. Like ala As they yeah, say You know what I mean 100%
0: That's it 100% You want to ask questions? You reckon leave it till then? Oh beautiful I think Honestly that's a perfect note To end it on wallah Man thank um, you guys so much uh, we,
2: uh, we appreciate you Shout out wallah. to
1: the brothers Shout out to the ummah man Free Palestine, That's it, and may Allah guide and protect all those who are on the straight path, man. Allah and if Ameen. you're not on a straight path, may Allah guide you to the straight path. Oh, I
0: mean, listen. Also, may Allah guide you to like, comment, and subscribe <laughs> on our channel. And Billy, no doubt, he told me beforehand he's coming for you guys. Huh? I heard fifty percent <laughs> of you guys aren't subscribed, so make sure you do. Otherwise, this man show some here. love
1: to the brothers, man. Show some love. You know, whenever you see uh, brothers trying to do something positive, show some love. You know, when you show love, Allah will show you love. So do that.
0: That's it. it. Thank you very much, guys. Take care.